My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. The more you praise and celebrate your life, the more there is in life to celebrate. That comes from my favorite philosopher, Oprah Winfrey. (laughs) I'm a big fan of celebrating, aren't you? When we celebrate our relationships, they're so much happier. When we celebrate our sexuality, that is so much happier. When we celebrate our lives, we are happier, and so are most of the people around us. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, where good girls go for sexual empowerment. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and we are going to celebrate today. Why? Because today marks our 25th episode. While I consider all of my guests and topics very special, as well as all you listeners very special, I wanted to do something extra special today. Oh, and by the way, if your subscription shows today as the 24th episode, fear not, you haven't missed anything, a fabulous pre-recorded show will air later this month. For this milestone, I asked the incomparable Dr. Lisa Masterson, a.k.a. Dr. Lisa, to join me in the studio and called on some of my favorite sexpert guests so far to respond to some listeners' questions, which is precisely where we are going to start. The first question goes out to Jean Franzblau. You may remember her as the kink expert, playwright, and uh, performer. She's also a sex-positive activist. She shared her expertise here uh, twice so far already. On uh, March 3rd, we discussed the highly sensitive clitoris. She read her love letter to her clitoris, which I absolutely love. And again, on the uh, 2nd of June, she shared her experience with squirting. Jess S. emailed me this question, and I just knew that Jean would have some great insight. Here's her question. I'm really curious about BDSM and have fantasies that are pretty violent, she writes. I'm not sure how to go about exploring them without getting hurt or having people think I'm crazy. I'm single right now, but open to a relationship if I meet the right guy. Any pointers? Great questions, Jesse. Here is what Kinky Jean had to say in response. I'm impressed um, by just that clear, non-self-judgmental statement, which is, I have violent fantasies. I do as well. Um, and, and it's not something that's as easy for me to, to, um, talk about. I, 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 there have been times when I've been like, wow, what's wrong with me that I have these, these fantasies you know, it's said that you should really pay close attention to what you're thinking about when you masturbate, like when you actually come to climax, because those are the things that get you off. And for me, they tend to be really quite dark and edgy. So, you know, hats off for simply acknowledging that truth. And it begins this great dialogue. So I can't wait to hear what other responders say about this. What I have found is that the fantasies that I have, I don't necessarily want them to be realized. Uh, that might not be the case for for you, um, but for me, the the only way for me to figure that out is is to experiment. So I appreciate the spirit of experimentation, which your question really brought out. But that's what I found just in the past week and a half. 
I sent a text to a lover, letting that lover know what I had mast I had masturbated and I was I'll say self-pleasure. I like that so much better. So I'd self-pleasured and I had thought of him and I really, and, and certainly it was a nice edgy image. And, you know, I like to celebrate with whomever I'm thinking about and send them a little note and say, here was the thought that I had. In this case, it was very appropriate to lover of mine. And his response was, I will take that to heart the next time I see you and we play. And I got really uncomfortable because I was not making a request. I was sharing my kinky mind with him. But I, that, I've learned that just because I had that in my head does not mean that that's what I'm wanting. So that's something that I've learned. Now, in terms of the question about um, how to explore them safely, well, I think one way to do it is by increments. If a fantasy... Um, is super extreme, then perhaps um, some lesser version of it that feels safer, that you can assure your safety, etc., might be a way to go. Um, I'm a big fan of there being safety measures and precautions. Like, if I had a fantasy of having a dominant partner who would dominate me when he was completely drunk and that's my fantasy and that he would do things with me and maybe it would be knife play and he would do it completely drunk. That's a fantasy that, you know, in my best judgment that I'm not going to realize that because let's say knife play, which if you haven't heard of, it's, you know, having your partner either looks like they have a sharp knife or they do have a sharp knife. It's not something I've played with, but I've seen others play with it. You want your partner to be completely sober, completely, you know, and if, if the fantasy is that, then maybe I could have a fantasy that my partner pretends to be totally drunk. Do you see that maybe that might suffice? Uh, I, I know that there are many people out there who really want the edge and things like that. Uh, for me, there are so many opportunities for oopsies. You know what I mean by oopsies are, uh, whoops, I accidentally hurt you a little bit. That that's happens. And ideally, the oopsies are small. Um, but I don't want to create the real potential for an oopsie that's big. So um, that's kind of how I calibrate the decisions that I make and that I uh, negotiate with my partner. So I'm not into breath play, although I know some people are. Um, I don't play that way because my brain is such a critical and important part of how I get around in the world. I need to take care of myself using my brain. Uh, without it, I would be quite lost and others would need to take care of me. Uh, so my brain needs oxygen. So I don't play with breath play, but I know others who do. They're passionate about it. They feel like they have a science to it. Um, I, I read the book SM 101 written by Jay Weissman and he really strongly discourages it. So I, you know, I consider him an expert and he's seen, you know, there's documented really crappy things that happen. So that's a good example of, of my paying attention, close attention to what people are doing, what I want to do and how to keep myself safe. Um, in terms of finding a partner, and I will wrap up here, August. <laughs> In terms of finding a partner, uh, I recommend taking it slow. I recommend taking your time to get to know someone. Um, 
possibly playing in public, having a friends around so that they know what you're up to and what you're doing and kind of monitor what's going on for you. These are some ways. And when I mean playing in public, I mean at a public play space. Some people call them dungeons and there are a variety of different places to visit in different large cities and smaller ones as well where you can be a member and you can and there's often educational classes and such where you can meet people and get a sense of them. Use your best judgment if you're questioning your own judgment that's definitely a time to bring friends in, get a second opinion um, have a silent alarm set up or a safe alarm where a friend knows where you are, what you're doing, when you're going to be done. No, you know, that kind of stuff. I hope that's helpful. What a great question. Thanks so much, Jean. I just love your honesty, your respect, and I love that she both emphasized pleasure and exploration and also safety. They're all so important. Uh, and we actually may be exploring that topic more in a future episode. So stay tuned, Jesse. Thanks so much for your question. The next two questions came in after my interview with Gabe Deem, a former porn addict who now counsels teens and speaks out publicly about related issues, particularly porn-related erectile dysfunction. He appeared here on June 6th in my show, he can't get it up. Could porn be the problem? Which was inarguably one of my most important shows. He is the perfect expert to answer this question from Timothy J. Uh, Timothy asked this. He said, I don't have problems getting hard with my girlfriend, but I masturbate to porn every day, sometimes more than once. It helps me function well, energy and sleep wise, or at least I think it does. Is that a problem? And here is Gabe's reply. Well, the first thing I want to say is problems with porn use tend to take a long time to develop, sometimes even years. Um, you know, for me personally, I functioned fine up until the age of about 23, where I eventually got to a place where porn was the only thing that could give me an erection. I couldn't get it up for my girlfriend, and I couldn't get it up to my hand and imagination alone. I had to have porn to get an erection. This is called porn-induced ED. Um, but, w but with that said, you know, one of the most common things reported by people who develop porn induced sexual dysfunctions is consistent use. So, you know, the fact that you say you're using it every day, sometimes more than once, you know, that's a red flag for a potential problem. I mean, it might not be one yet, but certainly, you know, the potential for a problem to develop is there. Um, you, you know, while you're using porn, as time goes on, your brain may need more and more stimulation to get the same relief, which, you know, this can lead to a place where you become dependent on, you know, something that you weren't, you once weren't dependent on. And, you know, that can be a huge problem. It's, it's kind of like a scenario where the more you scratch, the more you itch. If, if, um, you're using porn every single day to put you to sleep, eventually you're going to become dependent on that just to feel normal. And it's not just going to be, you know, a sleep medicine. It's going to be if you don't have porn, you know, you can't function normally. And that's, you know, that's basically what happens with all addictions. And um, I'm not saying you have an addiction or, you know, anyone has an addiction with this. I'm just saying it's a possibility. Um, and the other thing to consider is, you know, you're wiring your brain to a screen and not a person. And when, when with internet porn, you can keep yourself stimulated as long as you want or even longer than you want. And the act of masturbating to porn, consistently conditioning yourself to get off a certain way and with a certain stimulus is ultimately what can lead to a problem. So, I mean, it may not be a problem yet, but just be careful because it certainly can develop into one. I personally use other natural things as mood medicine you know, that makes me feel great, like 
exercise, reading, meditating, and just, you know, spending quality time with real people in person. Um, this is, you know, that's what helped me is just exercise. And I I don't want to rely on something that's not natural, like porn, um, when I could just do other natural things. And, you know, that's, I'm just talking about porn. I'm not even talking about masturbating. Um, you know, uh, masturbating, I don't really have an opinion on, but I, wiring yourself to a screen is where things get, you know, iffy for me. I passed this next question along to Gabe as well. It's from a listener named Tanya. Tanya asked, do you think routine porn use is risky for everyone or just people with addictive tendencies? I ask because I'm interested in watching porn with my boyfriend. Neither of us really has before, but we want it to enhance our relationship, not ruin it. Awesome of you to put so much care into your decision, Tanya. Thank you for asking it. It sounds like you and your boyfriend are deciding together, which I think is awesome. Um, here is Gabe's advice for the two of you. Um, well, I think it's risky to routinely use porn for anyone for many of the same reasons I just covered in that previous question. Um, you know, by bringing something extra into the bedroom, you may raise the bar, so to say, of the stimulation you experience. But again, if done so routinely, you may become dependent on that extra stimulus, you know, to have as good of a time or to experience the same amount of pleasure. Or maybe even, you know, depend on porn to reach climax or to become aroused over a you know long period of time using it. On a more psychological level, you know, one partner might end up feeling inadequate at satisfying their partner or less attractive. And over time, this can actually, you know, become true, especially if, you know, physiological changes happen in the brain. And, you know, this is usually what happens with routine porn use. So, again, it it might not happen for sure, but the possibility is definitely there. So just be aware that a problem could happen and certainly stay away from using porn every time. Um, Some couples report that it helped them while others report that it absolutely destroyed their relationship. So it's up to you. My advice, you know, would be to enhance your sex life in healthier ways. You know, introduce new positions, um, have sex in different locations or role play. You don't have to add objects into the relationship. You just got to switch things up. And these last two questions seem perfect for my guest, Gia Nova. She actually will be appearing here on the 28th in a very special show on fetishes. Gia Nova is an esteemed burlesque performer and feature dancer. She's just phenomenal. Um, I loved, loved, loved what she had to say. I hope you'll tune in uh, at, at the end of July. Here is a clip from our interview in which she answered two fabulous questions from listeners. This question comes from Peggy H. What tricks has working in the adult industry taught you that women can use at home? She said she wants to be, quote, as sexy as a porn star. What what would you tell her she wanted to? uh, (laughs) Any tricks from the trade for her? Well, I can't speak as a porn star because I'm not. But from working in uh, gentlemen's clubs, I would say that you know, uh, dancing for your your significant other, sexy lingerie. And, you know, when I say that, it, it's whatever makes you feel sexy because I feel like that shows more than an expensive pair of bra and panties, more than um, a pair of fake eyelashes or a high heel shoes, you know. Whatever it is that gets you in the mood and makes you feel very comfortable and confident and and when you look in the mirror and you're like damn I look good that radiates and then you know take your time 
and really just explore each other and seduce your man once you're in that mindset or, you know, or your woman or your significant other, whatever it may be. And I feel like that really creates that atmosphere for like some major sparks for lack of a better word. (laughs) No, that's perfect. That's fantastic advice. I love that. And confidence and comfort are so, so important. Um, Wonderful. The next question comes from Sarah T. She asked this. She said, I want to have naked photos taken of me for my boyfriend's birthday. Any tips besides avoiding creepy photographers? Well, that's probably the most important tip. And since she already knows that, she's ahead of the game. (laughs) Good to know. Yeah, Um, it's important. Yeah, that's the most important is just, you know, finding a good professional photographer. Um, You know, if you have a friend that you trust and you're comfortable with enough uh, to take photos, then I say maybe do that, test that out. But really, you're going to find a good professional photographer. Um, You want to find somebody who has a website, who has references that, you know, and has no problem with you contacting their references. That's an excellent point. Um, bring a friend with you. I wouldn't do that alone, um, especially if it's any kind of uh, nude or lingerie or anything like that. Bring a friend. If they have a big problem with you bringing a friend, I would say that's a major red flag. And kind of like the answer to the last question, you know, when you're preparing for your photo shoot, take your time. Don't rush. Don't get stressed out because it'll show. Uh, be as comfortable as possible and just do things for yourself that day that really make you feel sexy, whether that is going out and buying a new, you know, set of lingerie or getting your nails done or just, I don't know, like drinking a glass of wine and lighting an incense stick or something. I don't know, whatever it is that puts you in that mood where you feel like, damn, I'm sexy, because that's what's really going to show on camera, too, just like it shows to your significant other. And um, maybe practice in the mirror with some poses and angles and you know, get to know get to know the angles that your body looks best in so you can just start popping off those pictures and get the best, you know, for the time that you're there in front of the camera. Fabulous advice, Gia. Thank you so, so much. I hope you guys will tune in when I uh, share the interview with her later this month. Now, to introduce today's guest of honor, Dr. Lisa Masterson, a.k.a. Dr. Lisa, is a specialist in obstetrics. I can never say that word well. Obstetrics, gynecology, infertility, adolescent gynecology, and family planning, who has pioneered the evolution of women's health care into the 21st century. She's also redefined the role of gynecologist into a family care doctor, which I love. That makes so much sense. Uh, She holds seminars on adolescent uh, sexuality for teens and parents, keeping those conversations going. She has a fabulous book that I'm going to buy for all my nieces. It's called Go Figure. It's a workbook for young girls that details the changes throughout their bodies. The former host of the Emmy award-winning TV show The Doctors is also a mom, a philanthropist, and host of Health in Heels, a fabulous podcast series. It's also produced here at Global Voice Broadcasting, where she tells it like it is on all things health, beauty, and sex. What an awesome combination. I couldn't think of a better guest for today for my 25th special um, sexpert episode is what I'm calling it. Mm. Not only do I respect you so much for the work that you do, Dr. Lisa, but uh, you were kind enough to have me on your wonderful show in November. And prior to that, you know, it was not in my brain to start uh, Girl Boner Radio. So thank you for inspiring me and 
many ways. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great and so happy to be here in your 25th episode. That is fantastic. Yeah. It was so great to have you on, and I'm so thrilled that you have gone on and done this, and I think that's really Thank exciting. You. So I, I'm great to be here. And yeah, I'm just, I'm about all things health, women, beauty, and um, I love what you do, and here to join in. Awesome. I love, and there's a great synergy there, too. I think there are too few women uh, talking, uh, you know, kind of publicly about these things and also making it fun and sexy, which which you mm-hmm. definitely do. And, um, you know, really informing women about their bodies and keeping that conversation um, comfortable, you know, and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you most hope that your listeners will take away from your show? To get comfortable with their body and that sexuality is a healthy thing. It's not, and not only healthy, it's almost essential because it's it's a huge part of what goes into our self-image. It's a very important part of our life. So if you don't address it, you're really going to be missing out. So you have to find someone you can talk to about or get a a place to get really good information because it is really essential to feel comfortable with your body, to feel comfortable with yourself, to know that that's a healthy thing, that sexuality is healthy. That's what I would say is is really the most important. And I think that absolutely shines through in, in every episode that you have. Have you personally always had such confidence about, you know, sexuality and health? Was that something you were raised with or how did you get involved as you are? I would say a little bit of yes and no. Um, just as your regular girl growing up, I, you know, always felt awkward about my body and things like that. I went into the awkward, you know, teens and stuff. I was a little heavy. But I had a fantastic mother who was very, very, um, she would tell it like it is and she would just not hold. <laughs> back anything and she was just right there with telling me about my period about more information than really I was ready or wanted to know (laughs) for so that sort of introduced me into that sort of a conversation and 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 I realized how important also through my practice that the the girls who you know didn't have teen pregnancies or or weren't so susceptible to STDs were the ones who really respected their bodies who were able to communicate who were open and that's again why I you know talked in in, in schools uh, you know about, about puberty and changing bodies and things like that and tried to make it get fun and funny so that girls would embrace this and not you know think of it as something that's embarrassing yeah that's taboo and that's something wrong with you I mean it shouldn't mm-hmm. be that way it not, really shouldn't be that way not at all we should celebrate being women all the way around because we are fabulous absolutely <laughs> amen we can't hear that enough for sure did you learn much in sex ed in school I asked that to a lot of guests here, and it's amazing how few learned much. Well, I would say yes, but I would actually say I learned most of it in um, in medical school, and that's again why yeah. I stepped into schools to do it myself because I really didn't think it was done. I couldn't remember anything from um, from uh, actually, you know, I'll, I'll say I actually learned a lot of it in college in a very interesting class. It was a sexuality class, which was affectionately called we called holes and poles, <laughs> and um, nice. I think I learned most because I, you know, when you're a teenager sitting in those classes with boys and girls and I would actually separate them. You don't hear anything. What you're thinking about is what's going on in Johnny's head when he's hearing about the female body. And I I remember that. And also from your parents, sometimes it's difficult even when they want to communicate like my mother. You you don't want to hear it from some some teens don't want to hear it from their parents. They don't they they want to separate that. You're my parent. I don't want to hear about sex from you. And so so you have to embrace each in 
individuals um, how they want to get the information, how they need the information. If you're a parent and you realize your, your daughter's going, no, 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 I don't want to hear it from you, then you need to figure out another way for them to absorb it, you know, whether it's making sure your school has a good sex education program or, you know, get, or bringing them to another site or app or something that's going to get them the correct information because they're not going to get it from their friends. Sure. Um, I, I remember some really crazy things I heard from my girlfriends thinking about it, you know, having thought back about it now. Oh, yeah. Um, but I would totally. say, yeah, really late. Actually, college and, um, and medical school was the most in- enlightening, I think. That's awesome. That's mm-hmm. great. And you've now taken that and brought it down to uh, levels where people don't necessarily have to go to medical school to get the information. You know, that's that's the important thing for yes. sure. Well, what it showed me, too, is that most women don't re- understand how their bodies work. We're, that's true. It's, it's actually very complex. And, and we don't really, most of us don't really understand. Mm-hmm. And I, like I said, it, it was in medical school where I grasped, I mean, I, there was holes and poles. That's a whole different thing. But medical school where I grasped the whole, you know, this is how it works. And yes, you know, people don't go to medical school or get those trainings. So I think it, it is very important for women to ask their doctors or find a way to really understand what goes on on a monthly basis. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's amazing how much, I know I've read a bunch of studies that talk about female sexual arousal mm-hmm. and how so many women don't even realize when they're aroused, for example, mm-hmm. because we're not, you know, it's not like we have a very obvious sign that the men have, you know. So if we're denying that part of ourselves and we're saying it's kind of dirty or embarrassing, we won't even know, you know, right. what we what we want to feel or we feel so embarrassed that we can't be comfortable because isn't relaxation a big part of being able to feel sexual pleasure? Oh, it's 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 almost necessary. You yeah. really have to relax to let all those neurons fire and send those signals to the clitoris and, and do all that. And again, yes, you have to talk about it with your friends, your girlfriends, um, whoever you feel comfortable with. Because it was great. I saw a great episode the other night. I love this show because I'm an OBGYN, Masters of Sex, and yes. they you I know love that show. one of the requirements in the study was that you know they're talking to a woman and 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 that she had to have an orgasm. And she was, you know, in her probably in her 50s or something. And she was like, how would I know? And they're sort of like, you would know, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. And, you know, I think it's really and I've talked to so many women in my practice who haven't had orgasms or don't know or ask that same question. It's sort of like when they say, how will I know I'm in labor? And we say, you will know because there are, you know, it's 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 something you can't mistake. And and there's so many women out there who haven't had orgasms, who don't know, who don't even know that it's important to explore your body, to find those things that are going to trigger because it, it, it is a release. It is it's very important to self-esteem. I mean, that cliche is almost true. You can tell when a woman hasn't had it for a long time. <laughs> oh, it's so true. Yeah, I actually had a uh, – I won't give any way too many details of who this person is, but uh, – it was somebody who worked in a dental office mm-hmm. a long time ago who I, I just something something told me I just sensed that she was not having any sex at all. Mm-hmm. It was the weirdest thing. And uh, she's and I thought either that or she just really hates me. Like there was this weird kind of vibe, you know, and a few months later, you know, when I go in back in for some kind of checkup. She was so, she was glowing. Yeah. And I thought, well, either everything's better in her life and I misinterpreted she was having, you know, bad days, whatever. And then she tells me as, you know, I said, you look really lovely. You look really happy. And she said, 
yeah, I, I got a divorce and now I, ha- I met the love of my life. And I was like, she's having orgasms. I mean, it's like, it, it really does change who you are. And, yeah. and uh, you know, like you said, knowing your body is, is super, super important. As a side note, I'm actually interviewing the uh, writer and producer of Masters of Sex here, oh gosh, which I'm excited great. about because the book is really awesome too. Oh my, lo- yes. I'm a huge fan yeah. because I thought that was just awesome because there are so many women and who are in those age range who haven't experienced an orgasm or don't know that it's important to experience yeah. an orgasm and um, it, it's, it's it's amazing I thought it was very well done absolutely and you learn so much because it's all true you know mm-hmm. you learn about Masters and Johnson who did the first studies about sex you know and yeah. all the resistance they faced it's like we still have some of it now but it was so much worse then so they were really revolutionary the pioneers yes yeah, absolutely definitely definitely and you're very holistic too I know in your all of your practice it's like you bring in beauty into the sexuality stuff and you I know uh, um, encourage you know spa treatments and exercise and taking care of yourself is is that something also that came naturally to you because I know you have a really busy lifestyle and I'm curious how you kind of keep that balance you also seem very calm and zen and uh, <laughs> is that work for you or is that natural is it just well there are many minutes my moments where I'm crazy and, and actually what I said was that actually that that was one really crazy time but I I actually had that idea about putting everything together in um, in medical school. Um, I, actually, it's not medical school, in residency, because I could see that so many factors go into your health. And it's not just about um, this medicine, you know, curing this d- disorder. It's really about prevention, and it's really about keeping your body healthy, and how much Things like stress play into uh, being overweight, um, you know, and, and, and your whole health. It, it, it's 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 one. It's all wrapped it around together. And, and we even know how much, like you said, you need to be relaxed to have an orgasm. We also know you need to be rela- relaxed, even though it's difficult to say when you're trying to get pregnant. We know that um, you know decreasing stress helps with fertility. So many different things go into your self image and your happiness and how you lead your life. All these things are intertwined. It's it's not just about a disease and a treatment. It's about your life and your well-being and, and experiencing a happy life. And so that's what I wanted to put together with this spa, to wrap in the nutrition, what you put into your body, the exercise, what you do with your body, how you feel about your body. Um, and so the outside, even though a lot of people are embarrassed about, you know, worrying about how they look, uh, it's, it's very important because if you don't look at yourself and you feel bad about it, then that's going to actually, you know, have consequences on your health as well. And all these things are really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I imagine, too, one thing that's important within that is giving yourself a little bit of flexibility and wiggle room and not being too strict either. Mm-hmm. Do you have, like, I don't even, call, I don't like calling them guilty pleasures because I don't think we should feel guilty about them. <laughs> but uh, for lack of a better term, what's your guilty pleasure? How do you let loose? My guilty pleasure. Wow. I don't, I don't, I don't, no, I if think you don't feel guilty about any of them, then that's, that is awesome, too. <laughs> I think that's probably the problem. <laughs> I don't feel guilty about having, <laughs> about having fun. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, you know, like I said, lots of times I'll have things that probably aren't as healthy for me, like my Diet Coke. Sure. Or, or my, you know, diet soda. And, um, but truly, I, I, I try to lead a pretty healthy lifestyle. So, And it becomes something that you get so much joy from anyway. That mm-hmm. it, you know. Um, before I let you go, I know you have another show to do today, too. Um, would you mind just answering just briefly a couple of questions for my listeners? Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. Let, we let spent it. the first.
first half of the, the show talking to some other experts about different issues, and some were about medical issues. So just real quickly, uh, so Yolanda asked uh, this question, do men really have G-spots? If so, where is it, and how can she stimulate it? <laughs> they do, just like women have a G-spot, the Grafberg spot, so do, uh, so do men. And um, basically, but the thing is, I'm not a huge fan of that spot, and I'll tell you why. So it does exist, and basically, as you know, for women, it's about two centimeters um, on the anterior wall of the vagina. And for men, it's basically, you would, it's, it's the prostate. It's the equivalent of prostate in the, in the female and in the male. So you would find it going in rectally um, where the prostate is, and it feels like a chestnut-sized um, little bump. That you, that, that you can feel, and, it's, and it can stimulate an orgasm in a lot of people. My problem with the G-spot is that everybody has their own spots. And um, if I know of women who said that there have been men who gung-ho and, you know, gone in the vagina and just been looking for that G-spot. and <laughs> digging that's around. Digging around, <laughs> and that's not, even if they find it, that's not going oh to do it. Yeah. So basically it's whatever works for you because a lot of women are stimulated, a lot of women and actually men, this is the most thing to realize here, um, by nipple stimulation. And if that's what does it for you, then that's your spot. That's so what communicate, does it. right? Exactly. It can say, tell your partner, this is what feels good, or this drives me crazy, or this is this is fantastic for me, or I love it when you do this. You know, those are very positive ways to get somebody to do the things that you know do it for you instead of. It, it's just not all about, yes, that's a spot that can um, produce orgasms in some people. Some people absolutely not. And yeah. so it's important. It, it is, does exist because it's around the prostate and it can um, increase uh, uh, stimulations and orgasms. But it's not all about the G spot. Got it. I love that. That's wonderful advice to use in so many different areas of our sexuality. Uh, Chelsea in Brooklyn asked, I'm interested in having sex during my period, but want to know if it's safe and if it's healthy. Any tips? It's, it's, it's very safe, and it actually can be very healthy because it's lubricating. And if you're doing family planning, um, you know, it might be a time when you would want to have intercourse, although, again, it's not it's not fail-proof, um, and that's so that's something to remember. The problem is, you know, a lot of people have issues with blood, and so simply, you know, trying to deal with those issues with your partner. There's a lot of men who have issues with blood and sex, and talking, you know, talking that over with them, and, and again, explaining to them it's a natural body process, but um, a woman's uh, sensitivity can be very much increased during her period and everything, you know, is, is, is ready for arousal, so it can be an absolutely fantastic time for a woman. Uh, you just have to figure out what's going on with you. You may want to do it towards the lighter side of the cycle so it doesn't look like you had a murder um, sure. on your hands after. Yeah, especially if you're in like a hotel or, <laughs> and you know. <laughs> I love the visuals I keep having through this conversation. Exactly. Yeah. So like, yeah, if you have heavy periods and, you know, you might want to figure out how that's going to work. But you just have to discuss it with your partner and feel comfortable with it. It's just a normal process. It can be natural lubrication and it can be exciting. Wonderful. Okay, so last one is... Uh, from an anonymous emailer, a male. He said that he loves his wife, but she's completely not interested in sex anymore. And just mentioning it to her makes her cry. Um, he's going to be 50, she's 48, and going through menopause. Mm -hmm. I know that's a huge question, but just uh, what's a good starting point to kind of address that? Could it be the hormones? Could it be? Have her start by talking to her gynecologist about the issues that she's having with menopause, whether it's vaginal dryness, um, whether it's libido, because it, it's very important and it does fluctuate with the hormones 
hormones, and that's very real. So she needs to start by telling, you know, discussing with her gynecologist if it's a problem with her and if she's having menopausal issues. It's very important for couples to um, communicate and find answers to their sexual problems longer. I mean, um, early on, as soon as they can, they need to address them because the longer they wait, the more the studies have shown, the more it can do damage to a relationship that is can be, you know, irreversible. So it's really important for her to start a discussion with either her gynecologist, therapist, or both. And um, because she's a sexual being and she still wants to have intercourse and is interested and it's a problem for her, you know, she needs to address it for the well-being of her, you know, for her life. Sure. That's that's wonderful advice. Thank you so much. And just my last question for you. I know that your mom... uh, played a big role and still does it sounds like in your life uh, and really inspired you what's one piece of advice or uh, guidance that you receive from her that you really uh, rely on quite a bit now oh um she just to 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 love yourself and to really uh you know go for it go for your dreams if you have a dream just go full out full out and and because you know life is short and um, you, you just you have to try and, and go for what you want to do because that's that's what it's it's all about. And and then most of all to just you know actually love the people that you you, you know that you're with because she loved me to the utmost and I still feel it. And I feel it's one of the biggest uh, joys in life is is you know a mother's love or family love or partner love, and um, that's one of the important most important things in life. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for, for sharing that and for sharing your time. I have, I have chills. That was, that was really <laughs> lovely. If you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and review, and hop over to my website, augustmclaughlin.com, for show extras and a whole lot more. Thank you so much for listening, and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week. <laughs>